People, Deluded, I'm back again. Welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast. Um, I'm a bit upbeat, people. The weather's nice. Hay fever is not bothering me. Football is back. You know, La Liga's returned. German League's been playing. Bundesliga, sorry, has been there. And the Premier League is back this week. The Premier League is back. The Premier League is back. The Premier League is back, people. Obviously... Come 10 p.m. or something on on Wednesday, when depending on the result against Man City, I might not have this much enthusiasm in typical Arsenal fan fashion. But I'm happy it's back. Um, and yeah, I hope you are all doing well and safe, and your loved ones are all well and safe. And yeah, man, there's not too much to speak about, but we might as well go through them. And I'm, I don't think I'm gonna be here too long, but I hope I provide you with something in that time. Before we get into the Premier League and things like that, or it does have something to do with the Premier League. As you lot have seen, there's been a lot of marching, a lot of protests, and sadly, a lot of violence in relation to, you know, Black Lives Matter and things. I am not saying Black Lives Matter starts the violence, because you lot should see how people are going on. Like, I do think it's very interesting how the media portrays things, because when all these football hooligans are coming down to London and carrying on a certain sort of way, are they being painted as racist thugs for what they actually are? No, because we all know that's only a language reserved for a certain shade of folk. But at the very least, all of these racist twats, they came down and got themselves beat up basically on um, basically based on what I'm seeing in, in these videos and stuff. So it's amazing. Um, who knew black people marching for equality and wanting to be treated as humans, as we have done for centuries, is a problem and has caused these people to come down and, and mash up stuff. And I mean, these same war memorials that people are claiming they're protecting, they have trashed it for their own protests. People are peeing on slash near um, the memorials. So they don't actually care. They just care the fact that black people have something to say about themselves. And a lot of footballers have been vocal. And for me, I'm very... One thing I don't like here, I'm not going to lie, I like the solidarity. I'm like seeing my club, Arsenal, you know, every player wearing the shirts and stuff taking the knees and i've seen liverpool do that i've seen a bunch of people do that and i no doubt people are affected and if they're not personally affected by this they feel compelled to rise up but my problem is that this it become it then turns into performative acts it goes from being an act of togetherness and solidarity to performative acts and i'm not going to lie there's probably plenty of black footballers who have not spoken up about it i'm not going to tell you what to do but i do believe if you don't speak out you're wrong if you're one of the people them um have not spoke up about it and literally all they've done is the knee and, and the hashtag and stuff and that's it i'm not saying you need to be a carlo or a malcolm x but you need to rise up and i'm and i will say this black footballers you need to stop falling for these things say we're not stopping until things actually change society is one thing but say we're not giving up we're not stopping certain things until people when found guilty of racist acts and derogatory terms and monkey chants like we've seen in the football games like we actually saw at parliament when people were protesting proper bands don't fall for this performative act that the premier league uefa will probably do as well because you can imagine there's probably a video being produced already about say no to racism and things footballers do not fall for these acts of um, solidarity and i will say at this point black footballers is one thing but all their white counterparts i think you guys need to make a stand as well when you see people being being um, racially abused, make a stand because that will probably make more of a headline. Could, I'm not saying it's Harry Kane, but could you imagine if, if, if I don't know, Aurier is called the black something playing a game in the Champions League and Aurier being angry is one thing. They've seen a black player be angry before, but what, imagine Kane goes, sorry, mate, I'm not having this. This is not on. And he leads the team off. What would that say? I'm not saying it's a tough decision, so I'm not saying everyone needs to do it, but 
at this point in life with racism, if you have not picked a side and made that known, you've picked a side. Being on the fence is picking a side. Being on the fence and being silent is allowing the oppressors to oppressors and people that are racist and derogatory and all these things to carry on doing what they're doing. So if you stand up for justice, no matter what race you are, no matter what sex you are, no matter what you are, you need to stand up, people. But for what it's worth, the Premier League, um, Premier League clubs have also agreed... Um, that um, a badge will be displayed on the front of matchday shirts alongside an NHS badge for the first round of games. Players' names will be removed from the back of shirts, replaced with Black Lives Matters. Um, so that's an interesting one. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's, that's interesting. That's interesting to hear, man. Obviously, it's sad to see what you've all heard about going on in America and obviously historically in this country, people. Um, um, and obviously Raheem Sterling has had something to say as well. I've seen Raheem Sterling doing something with the BBC. He has said, um, the protest is a great starting point to make your voice heard, but just protesting alone is not going to make a change in this city. It's how we move on from here. It's about highlighting things, the society that needs changing and then acting upon it. We've done a lot of talking and it's now time to act. And he said perfectly what I was ranting about earlier. Spoken in relation to black managers, and I've been down this, people. It seems like a black manager, if you're not Pep Guardiola, you're not going to get a chance. And it seems like, why is it, when it's a white manager, like, no disrespect, if Steve McLaren fails at a club tomorrow, Alan Pardew, you know, the whole race, the whole reliance on white managers getting an opportunity is not placed in them. So why is it the first thing they say, oh, he's not good? It's just because black managers ain't good, or he got a chance, he just wasn't good. It's about the talent pool, of course. If you bring through 100 black managers, you're going to have players, managers sacked, managers are crap, but you're going to get one that's going to win the league. You're going to get one that could be a candidate for England. And it's about the talent pool. It's less top. We've got to start bringing more in, so one would be golden, but it's less tokens. It's more to the point where it's there. You don't need to think of a white manager because they're so about. I know, and it's not even just about managers, the coaching staff. The higher you get, the less black faces and multicultural faces you lead. The more positions of influence you lead. Playing staff, they there referees it gets smaller technical staff physios it gets smaller and it shouldn't be like that it should not be like that it really shouldn't be like that and he said give black coaches not just coaches but people in their respective fields the right opportunity i feel that's what's lacking here it's not just taking the knee it's about giving people the chance they deserve there's something like 500 players in the premier league and a third of them are black and we have no representation for us in the hierarchy, no representation for us in the coaching staff. That's not a lot of faces that we can relate to and have conversations with. And it's true. Now it's all good. With all due respect, I'm seeing Gary Neville and people like Piers Morgan talking about racism and the, how Raheem Sterling's been attacked, blah, blah, blah. But Gary Neville was a coaching staff at England. He said Sterling had concerns. He never spoke out. Paul Piers Morgan's changed his tune. This is what we're talking about. If we have more people representing... Things would be different if we had probably let's keep let's call a spade a spade. If there was more higher ranking black people within the Premier League, within the UEFA, within all of these things, do you think it would be a case of you know a twenty five thousand fine if you've been calling people the N word and all these things? No, I'm not saying people in these positions haven't been on the receiving end sadly of derogatory terms or discrimination, but it doesn't feel like they have any sympathy or empathy. If you have someone that knows exactly what that feels like, they're going to be more compelled to make hell fight, hell rain down on these individuals, which should be. People are getting fined long, fined more for FFP and all of the and spitting and all of these things. Not that it's right. Then calling someone another term, and it just tells you that you don't value black lives. That black lives are second are second rates and things like that. And it's true what Sterling said. There's 500 players. You can't name 10 black managers. You can't name 10 black coaches. You can't name any physios. You can't name any refs. 
You can't... black. It's sad. Ex-black players have more of a chance of establishing themselves in the media than they do in management. It's obviously some are not good. Now, could you imagine if Ian Wright said to himself, I want to be a manager instead of doing up this pundit thing? Where would he be? Rio Ferdinand, where would he be? And I mean, no disrespect when I mention Lampard because clearly he's got credentials. But it's always about they're not prepared to start from the bottom and all of this. With all due respect, what bottom did Lampard stand for? Go from? He was a pundit. He ended up at Derby and now he's at Chelsea. Steven Gerrard, fair enough, he was in the under-18s as a coach. Why is it that he was able to go to the under-18s? I'm not saying it's wrong. It's Steven Gerrard, for God's sake. That's the minimum he deserved. But them sort of opportunities are not, are not, are not seen. You know, people are there saying Sol Campbell's a failure, he's this and that, purely because they don't like him. He's not a Macclesfield failure, but even if he was, why is it the future of black managers and whatever coming through the pathway at there? And you're seeing all of these brands come out and say racism is bad, organisation, football clubs included, but they're, 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 they're literally as bad as what they're saying, people. Don't, this is what I'm saying. Do not fall for the performative acts. Do not fall for the false acts of solidarity. Or even if it is sincere, it doesn't stop there. You need more change than just that, people. So we have to see. Um, it's like like the FA. The FA was telling certain ex-England managers not to pick a certain amount of black players. You go and speak to Ian Wright, Andy Cole, Sol Campbell, maybe even Rio. Couple of these prominent black managers or players that black footballers, sorry, or black footballers that should have or were getting England caps. Let's see what they have to say. Let's see what they have to say. I bet they'll be told they're playing the race card. And I'm seeing the FA come out with statements and stuff. And yes, the FA, there are black faces in the FA, of course. But I guarantee you're not in that boardroom. And if there is, I'll stand corrected. But in 2018, the FA announced that in inequality action plan that 5% of, 5 of its leader roles and 30% of English coaching staff were filled by people from a BAME background. We need to cut out the BAME background as well. If you're Asian, say if they're Asian, say they're Asian. If they're black, say they're black and so forth. In the same plan, the FA set a target of 11 and 12% percent respectively for 2021. When there's someone from a black background, I can go into the FA with a problem I have within the club. They will be That will be when I know change is happening and not just in my field, also in parliament, in parliament, in all industries, in all industries. And this is a problem for the community that we probably have to look at. I mean, no disrespect to West, Westwood, I was about to call it Westfield, Westwood um, and, and Charlie Sloth. But why is it, why is it, a predominantly black music like the culture let's all whether it's drill rap you know a predominantly british artist why is it seen as success to go on on charlie sloth or westwood and i mean that in the most respectful way this is the point because if we're honest this is what i call juxtaposition donnies westwood's not part of the culture westwood was playing the music at a time when it wasn't when it wasn't was it wasn't nice and stuff but why do we have the logan and there's nothing wrong with it but it's seen as the logan Summers, all these guys in the music game are the gatekeepers why is that why is a youth from Buckinghamshire or wherever Charlie Sloth's from seen as the gatekeeper, seen as success being on his thing? Why is it not a Kenny All-Star or something like that? And that's something the community have got to look at controlling as well, people. Um, also seen, I've also seen Michael Jordan and his company have pledged 10 million, 100 million, sorry, which is about 79 million pounds over the next 10 years to organisations engaged in fighting racial equality and social injustice, which is good. I'm also seeing the NFL come out and I'm seeing... Uh, listen, if I was Kaepernick, I wouldn't believe a damn word the NFL say or a damn word these players say, man. It's ironic the amount of managers and, and owners and the NFL league coming out and saying we're sorry and the players doing the same. Stand by your brothers. And that's one thing that people need to do as well. Stand by their brothers. There's a lot of black coaches 
because they're the only ones in the room they don't want to speak and that's something as a community we need to eradicate as well we need to eradicate people that act like coons and we need to eradicate people that just want to be the only black face within a room because there are some people happy to be the only black face in the room not all skin folk is kin folk and if you think the last 12 minutes of what i've been spoken about is a difficult listen then you need to come off this podcast because it's not for you moving away from that people and getting on to other stuff now i'm ecstatic that the premier league is back and stuff but i'm also concerned because obviously this is how things spread and this tells you the premier league is all about money folk looking at it yeah there's been a number of friendlies you've heard you know chelsea won seven one against someone city played themselves liverpool played blackburn and won like six nil arsenal have lost to brentford and beat charlton Spurs have had a couple. I know for a fact Spurs played Norwich at their stadium and Spurs won 2-1 in a friendly. But an unnamed player, I believe, um, from Norwich tested positive for Corona. And uh, um, so how? So what happens now? If a player's tested positive, Spurs are playing Man United on the weekend, what happens? Is there going to be a fresh round of testing until then? What happens if it spreads? What happens if it's already spread to Spurs and Spurs Spurs can't play? A number of their players have got it and Spurs have to drop out of that game. This is the grey areas and I hope that's not the case, but I, there's a lot of grey areas, man, because let's just say the bulk of their team, like Arteta, let's just say when Arteta was contracted, the day before, you, you heard Leno and that say they were around Arteta, so the whole Arsenal squad would probably be eligible to play. What happens then? There's too many grey areas with this Premier League thing and I hope it runs smoothly, but you can see how, how, how things develop people. Like I said, a Norwich player is one of two people to test positive for coronavirus from the latest round of 1,200 Premier League testers. Tests Testing took place on Thursday and Friday with the unnamed player involved as Norwich beat Spurs 2-1 in a friendly at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium also on Friday. Spurs also confirmed they have no positive tests and the said Canaries player had no contact, close contact with their team. He will self-isolate for seven days. Okay, but say, okay, the, the player in, in contact didn't, but he had contact with his teammates. His teammates had contact with you and I guarantee a player that's been in contact with them was playing on this pitch. So this puts everybody at risk and this is why I don't blame players if they're scared to re- reluctant to return to training or reluctant to return to the games. Um, I'm sure Manchester United had the um like friendly against Stoke um postponed because Michael O'Neill Stoke boss tested positive people. Um the EFL have confirmed six positive cases across four championship clubs in the latest round of corona testing with two positive cases at League One club Portsmouth and none in League Two. A total of one thousand nine hundred sorry, a total of nine thousand one hundred and ninety two players and staff were tested in the championship with one positive results already being known obviously as the Stoke manager um, he received confirmation of his positive test before a friendly with Man United. There were 137 tests taken across the four playoff teams in League One, with Portsmouth announcing two of their players had recorded the only positive test. The equivalent teams in League Two came back with a clean bill of health. Um, as you lot know, sadly though, um, the Championship is coming back in the Premier League, but on the sad scale of things, League One and League Two have both opted to curtail their seasons, promoting the clubs currently occupying the automatic promotion positions and relegating those in the relegation spots. The only stipulation being that the EFL will not relegate the bottom team in League Two unless there are guarantees over the National League returning to play next season. League One and League Two will, however, conclude with their playoff fixtures the League Two semi-finals, Colchester versus Exeter to City and Northampton Town versus Cheltenham Town. Now, Arsenal have a player, Olienko, at Northampton Town. Con- con- um, congrats to him and good luck. Um, 
It will take place with both legs on the first day, the 18th of June, which is in a couple of days. The second leg will take place on the 22nd of June and the final will be held on the 29th of June, on which is a Monday at Wembley, people. Keeping up with that though, people and, and stuff, as we know, I believe though you'll be the Premier League will allow more players on their bench and more substitutions, which I believe is five. But the Daily Mail said the Premier League will introduce mandatory one minute breaks in every half when the season resumes next week to ensure players are able to rehydrate from personalised water bottles, which, you know, is a good thing, people. We need that. Moving away, and we might as well briefly speak about some prem some some Premier League stuff now, people. Obviously, as you lot know, the Premier League returns and we might as well briefly go over some of the fixtures. Um, obviously, there's going to be no fans in attendance and stuff like that. But on Wednesday, it's Villa versus Sheffield United. Villa welcomes Sheffield United to their place. Um, and then after that, you've obviously got City versus Arsenal at the Etihad. On the Friday, you've got Norwich against Southampton. You also have a big game in Tottenham Hotspur welcoming Manchester United. On the Saturday, you've got Watford against Leicester. You've got Brighton against Arsenal. You've got West Ham against Wolves. You've got Bournemouth against Palace. On the Sunday, you've got Newcastle against Sheffield United. Villa v Chelsea. Liverpool and Everton in a, in a Merseyside derby. I believe Liverpool could actually lift the title then, um, provided results go their way. And then obviously beyond that, it's literally next, the 22nd of June, you know, 20, that week. There's games every day, people. I'm not going to list them all, but there's games on a Monday with City and Burnley. You've got um, Leicester and, and Brighton on the Tuesday. London Derby and West Ham and Spurs on, on the Tuesday as well. And a bunch of other games, people. So for the fans provided, I just hope everybody stays fit. I just hope Corona isn't spread if and when the inevitable positive re readings happen. And for the fans, I'm happy, man. Obviously, there's no fans in the, in the ground. And depending on how you look at it, that could either be a gift and a curse but we'll have to see what happens we'll have to see what happens moving away and speaking about transfers though people briefly Papa Gie, a player that was announced um that Arsenal were chasing him he announced or we were led to believe he was signing for Watford on a free transfer and then we heard he actually didn't agree to that and he's announced he won't be going to Watford despite Watford formally announcing the deal um Obviously, as you lot know, he's out of contract, but he's released an official statement in Lekeep announcing that he will not be joining Premier League side Watford despite his signing being announced in April. 12 months ago, it was obviously believed that he signed a pre-deal under the counsel of his now former agent, Bakari Senogo. Um, Watford's announcement indicated that the 21-year-old has signed a five-year contract with him. However, things have been complicated all year. Unhappy with the financial arrangement reached with Watford, Gia decided to end his relationship with Sonogo, a long-term family friend of the family. Several hours after Watford's announcement of his arrival, his new advisor, lawyer Pierre-Henri Bovis, announced possible irregularities in in regular in well, I can never say this word, irregularities in his contract. So yeah, man, this is a bit of a circus and that one. Habib Diallo, someone that gave Saliba probably the first time watching Saliba and with hope of coming to Arsenal, obviously get terrorised was linked with with linked with Spurs um, in January and apparently there was an offer for to join Spurs um, and he said they, um, his agent said this um, said already in January there was an offer from Tottenham as soon as the European markets open things should um, persistipate so um, so there's probably a case of he'll, he's got a lot of interest and I believe he should 24 year old he's been a very good striker and I think for Spurs he would be a good plan B for, for Harry Kane obviously he can't go off what he's doing in one league to say he's going to do it in the other but from what I believe he's the 24 year old's got the raw tools to be a decent Premier League player 
I wouldn't want to play against him. He's quick. He's strong. He never stops working. He's got the African desire and work rate and that he's hungry to score goals. He's, when he smells blood, he destroys strikers. I really, I mean, full um, centre-halves. He's really, he's a handful. He's physically strong. He'll run about. He'll work the channels well. He's very direct. He can play with his back to goal. He would be a decent number two. I assume Spurs are signing someone that could potentially play with Kane, but predominantly be that guy who fills him when he's not there. And I believe they could do a lot worse than the Met striker. He's contracted until 2022. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in relation to his future. Um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has said, Arsenal have the keys to me extending. It will be the most important career decision. That was in an interview speaking with Telefont people. And if I skip to the most relevant bits of that, he said, recently I've not received an offer to extend, but of course we have had extend." exchanges with the club so you've got to wonder why it hasn't got to the point of offering in a, a, a formal offer and him signing it is there illegalities or or are we at loggerheads over the the structure of his contract whether it's wages base wages bonuses contract length has he got concerns obviously with if Arteta is going to be backed you know does he believe in the club's project above Arteta because you know he hasn't got long to waste are we going to bring in significant players and considering the financial impact Arsenal allegedly is going through it's not very optimistic and it, you know I'm pretty sure part of him wants to stay a part of him wants to go and obviously go so we can win win trophies and play in the champs again and Arsenal have got themselves in this situation and he's right Arsenal have the keys pardon me he said like he said we have had ex exchanges with the club for a, for a fair few months now and they know very well why so far nothing has happened and that's concerning so what haven't you offered him what is he unhappy about what is he seeking clarity about they have the keys. It's up to them to do their work. And after that, we'll see how things go. As you said, it is a turning point in my career. And I'll be very frank with everyone. It will certainly be a very difficult decision to make because I still have not decided. And we will see. It will maybe be the most important decision of my career. And considering his age and, and stuff, of course it is, people. He did spoke about, of course, he's hungry to win titles and things like that, which considering where Arsenal are at, doesn't fill you with any hope my gut is that he's keeping it moving but we'll have to see keeping up with Arsenal news I would love to sign to Guy Kawasi as I have said before apparently Arsenal have offered a contract to him and, and but his agent is pushing for a move to Bayern Munich keeping up the theme with centre-halves Wolves have made a 13.5 million pound bid for Axel de Sassi also linked with Arsenal but the players agents demands are extremely high which is deterring some clubs from attempting to sign him as you lot know, Arsenal as well as Rennes have shown an interest in the past. Now, Chelsea are doing their business. They've got Timo Werner, they've got Hakim Ziyech. Apparently, there's talks for um, Hauerweitz, which would be quite scary. Um, as you lot know, they've been targeting Ben Chilwell for a while and apparently they're willing to go and get that one done to the point where they could even depart with four of their own defenders to raise funds to buy that. Um, and these include Chris Dinson, who's been a bit part player, Emerson, who would obviously probably him or Alonso would have to move, and Alonso's also been linked with a move, and Kurt Zuma, who spent is uh, spent I swear spent a time on loan away from the club. So we'll have to see people. Um, so yeah, apparently apparently Spurs and Everton are interested in Zuma for what it's worth. Marco Grich, I can't say his name, but he joined Liverpool a few years ago. Um, apparently he will return to Liverpool this season after impressing on loan at Hertha Berlin. So we'll have to see how he plays in centre midfield. I think their their chairman or sporting director is more or less concerned, um, confirmed that he said, it is 100% certain that the loan agreement between us and Liverpool and the contract of Marco will end on the 30th of June. It's 
been agreed by both clubs that he'll return to Liverpool. The conclusion of this agreement over the past two years is very positive and it has had a positive effect on everyone who has been involved. Liverpool will get a player back who is definitely more experienced than he has been before because he's earned very important game practice. So I'm sure Liverpool fans, you know, based on what you read, you're not too sure if you're going to get Coutinho back on loan or Coutinho back or actually sign someone or just keep the squad the same. It depends. Um, but it sounds cliche, but he'll probably be like a new signing. And allegedly Liverpool are also in talks with Wijnaldum to extend his deal until 2024, which would probably take him into the end of his career. Moving away from that though, folks, um, Arsenal and United have also been linked with Jonathan Davis and apparently have sent indirect talks to his agent. Apparently, Arsenal have also offered to triple the salary of Thomas Partey, um, which is a, a, a dodgy one. Um, apparently, you know, Liverpool, um, apparently United have lost out on Jude Bellingham as he looks set to sign for Borussia Dortmund. And apparently, Manchester City, as well as United, have joined the race to sign Jade and Sanjo. But both clubs have concerned about, concerns about the 115 um, asking price. Apparently, West Ham's Jeremy Ngata, I can't pronounce his name, the fullback, will not sign a contract to see out the Premier League season. West Ham were dismayed when he turned down a new multi-year deal last month, believed to be as to believe to be worth 5k a week, and are resigned to losing the young right back on the free. The 19-year-old impressed after his senior debut in January, starting the final three games before the season was suspended, but it appears his mind is made up. Attempts to change the academy graduates' fears appear to have fallen on deaf ears, leaving West Ham to contemplate the likelihood that a player who has virtually established himself in David Moyes' side will walk out with seven games left. So he doesn't want to sign an extension to see out the Premier League season. He doesn't want to sign an extension full stop because who knows? Maybe he's got concerns over the pathway. Maybe he's got concerns that he was only used because of injuries. You know, if Ryan Fredericks and these players get fit, where does he where does he figure? Is he is he going to stay? He's also been linked with Spurs, so maybe he wants to make that move. I'm not too sure on, on that, people. I really hope Chelsea don't get Hervites. Um, apparently, um, Barca and Coutinho have an appointment next week. Barca and Kaya Jarupkin will talk about the op options when there are 15 days left to finish the exercise, June 30th. Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Leicester and Newcastle have all emerged as future destinations for the player. Also, allegedly, he's made a personal plea to Klopp to return to Liverpool, which would be egg on face. I can't, You can't begrudge him for leaving but for Barcelona, it's Barcelona. But I think it would be good because I think, you know, ironically, selling Coutinho funded a lot of what Liverpool's doing, but they're kind of missing that sort of player really in midfield with all due respect to Henderson, Wijnaldum, etc. And if you could get him back where you know you pay a long fee but the bulk of his wages are being paid by Liverpool by, by Barca and I swear technically they owe you money I um, mean it, it could be decent for Liverpool I would take him at Arsenal as well especially if they're dealing with his with his wages he'd be a, no doubt a marquee signing and, and, and a great one for Newcastle and Leicester and I'm sure he would find his feet at Chelsea but we'll have to see what happens in the race for him people we really have to see Let's see. Let me quickly see if there's any other transfer news. People, I don't think there actually is. I really should keep this all this stuff on one Google Doc, which I don't believe there is. There's actually not, man. I'm actually... Main thing is just getting back into football, boy. People seeing the Premier League restart. Apparently, United want to sign Jack Grealish in a £75 million deal after being told to wait another 12 months for Jadon Sandro. And I'm, I don't think £75 million for Jack Grealish is worth it. I know football's gone a bit weird, but it's mad. 
apparently Chelsea are on the Kerr Hervites thing. They're apparently ready to offer 75 million, which would be good. Apparently, United are chasing Ndidi, and he's also of interest to Real Madrid and PSG. Mertens has a piece on why he's staying at Napoli and turning down Chelsea. And I have to wonder, did Chelsea or any of these clubs ever really want him? Um, we'll have to see. Um, apparently, you know, Arsenal want Thiago Silva. I wouldn't mind him based on who he is. But considering his age, the wages and the length of contract he probably wants, it doesn't make sense, especially if we have to watch our pennies. Arsenal and Chelsea have been linked with Southampton's Fraser Foster um, in goal. Um, we'll have to see what happens in that regards. And I'd also have to say shout out to, to Marcus Rashford, man, because footballers are always told to shut up. But shout out to Rashford. He's really done a lot of good work with numerous divisions in charities, particularly his free school meals and stuff. And that's something that applies to him because he had to have that. He's a kid from Moss side and people think he forgets that. He's called on the government to, to, to go back on their, to make a U-turn on their free school meals, people. I think it's quite harsh that, listen, adults, Within reason, we're in charge of what we're, we're in charge of our circumstances. But children are not. Children are born into are literally at the lottery, born into luxury or poverty. And I, I think in a country like Britain, we shouldn't be at least definitely for children. Like we shouldn't be talking about homelessness for children, um, f f meals and stuff because you can see how this is at this how school kids are at a disadvantage. If you're from a certain background and you can't and you're on free school meals. And they cut that, you're going to have less money. So which school becomes less important because you're not able to stay focused and stuff um, because you're not having that brain power. And as you get older to the 15, 16, school is of irrelevance to you because, you know, you're seeing your mum broke. You're not, you literally, there's not food in the ta on, on, on the table. You're going to turn to crime and things like that. Of course, everyone needs to have accountability, but you can see how people are set up for failure. And just away from all of that stuff, children, we shouldn't be living in a first world country and having this thing about if school kids who can't, parents who can't, if they should have free school meals. This is what the government should be there for. And it's quite upsetting. So shout out to Marcus Rashford for, for leading the charge on that. And shout out to a lot of footballers who are doing the charity work and things, because it's always funny. Footballers have been one of some of the most vocal people with charities and with what's happening with police brutality. But yet they're told to shut up and focus on football, which is quite mad, people. On that note, though, there's not much more to say, so I'm going to end this podcast. Uh, what I will say, though, is thank you very much for persisting with the 20, 30 minutes that we've been going. Thank you very much for obviously voting for me in the Football Content Awards, which today, the 15th of, of June, I believe, is the last day. So if you haven't done that, please head over to their website and do that. You can do it via their website. You can vote on Twitter, you can vote on Instagram, you can vote on all of them. You can make multiple votes. You can vote across all your different gadgets and stuff your laptops your phones etc i'd appreciate that thank you very much for the paypal donations i've seen so far as well um which is crazy first and foremost just thank you a lot for your support people um have a nice day please stay safe and like i said man please just stay safe and just worry about the premier league returning and please pray for arsenal against manchester city hopefully we get something positive on that note though people it's always a pleasure deluded i'm out make sure you check out my youtube content we'll be back again with the deluded podcast shortly hopefully it's been an enjoyable one i'm out